0: September. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Okay. So as not to keep you here forever, we will get the Bible study started. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise to us, Lord, to enter into relationship with us through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're just going to learn from Acts 26 this morning about how we are to give our testimony. And Lord, I just pray that you would anoint your word as we go through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you who have your Bibles with you, you can open up to Acts chapter 26. We are looking at glorifying God through our testimony. And remember last week, we talked a little bit about what a testimony is. It's an f- open acknowledgement and testimony of 1st authentication of fact. So I'm going to repeat that. It's an open acknowledgement. It's something that's not done in secret. It's done out in front of everyone. And it's a first-hand authentication of fact. And as relates to us, testimony is all about what God has done in our lives. And I want to point out what he is continuing to do. We'll see that here this morning. God doesn't just save us and then leave us alone. He saves us and he continues to work on us. He continues to demonstrate his presence in our lives. He continues to speak to us. Now, I know for some of you that sounds a little bit, Ooh, you know, God speaking to us, but absolutely true. You should expect your father in heaven to communicate with you every day through His Word, through His people, through the circumstances of your life. He is communicating His will to you. So we should always be experiencing wonderful new things with God, about God in our lives. And then telling people about it. That's the big part here this morning, telling people about it, not just keeping to ourselves all of the things that God is doing in our lives. Uh, Last week, the quote I put in the bulletin said that our testimony is not our own. It does not belong to us. It belongs to everyone. The work God is doing in your life speaks to you to be sure. But it also speaks to many other people. And we're going to talk about that this morning as well. So as I go through Acts 26, uh, we're going to be talking about some different characteristics of how we are to give our testimony or speak forth those things that God has done and is doing in our lives. And we're going to use this scene where Paul is before the Roman governor Festus and the Tetrarch Agrippa, who was a king, a regional king there, a descendant of uh, Herod the Great and Agrippa's sister, Bernice. Paul has been in Caesarea for a couple of years as a prisoner. But he's had some freedom of movement. And finally as Agrippa and his sister Bernice come to Caesarea to meet Festus, the Roman governor, Festus invites them to hear Paul's case. And that is what Paul here is beginning to do. He is giving his testimony, his story, to these people. And it's in a big Uh, amphitheater there in Caesarea, many of you who went to Israel have been in the very theater wherein Paul gave this testimony. And so it says, then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all of the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all of the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So the first aspect of being able to give your testimony is you need to be willing to communicate it with others be prepared for opportunity to speak to others about what god has done in your life so you just sort of have to set yourself prone so that you are prepared when those opportunities present themselves because you never know exactly when that might occur But when the opportunity comes, we need to be like Paul. We need to be willing to communicate. I consider myself fortunate to give to you the information that I can firsthand authenticate God has done in my life. And I know it's true for so many of you that God is at work in your lives. Many of you have dramatic testimonies of coming out of darkness into God's marvelous light. But that wonderful testimony is Stands mute if we are not willing to communicate. If we are not prepared to, as Paul was, to give our defense. That's what Peter said. He said, be ready to give a defense to any who asks you about the hope that is within you. So folks, there's no escaping it. You cannot be a silent Christian. You need to be willing to communicate and take advantage of the opportunities that God opens up for you to speak to others about what He has done in your life. That's what Paul did here. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. From the very beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem, they have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. So Paul here is speaking of his integrity, and that is an important aspect to our testimony, that we be men and women who have integrity in our lives. What is integrity? Integrity is living in a fashion that is connected to or equivalent with the words that we speak. Paul was a man of integrity. When he was opposing the Christian religion, He did it with all of his heart, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. He did it with all of his heart. He believed in what he said, and he lived it out. That's integrity. Integrity, some people have said, is doing in secret what you speak in public. When no one can see what you are going to do, your actions are in line with the words that you speak. It's sort of like... Well, it's, it's what we don't want to be, I guess, is the, the example of the, the father whose little boy had to go to Sunday school. Father was making him go to Sunday school. And the little boy said, Dad, did Grandpa make you go to Sunday school when you were a little boy? And the dad said, yes, he did. And the little boy looked up at him and said, well, I don't think it's going to work for me either. We have to live with integrity. Our, our words are important, but our actions must align with those words. Paul here is a man of integrity. He, and he's saying his testimony from the very early days of his life were one of integrity. What he spoke, he believed. And the actions that he would take were in line with that belief. So we need to have integrity in our lives. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should it be considered incredible that God raises the dead? So here Paul attaches his testimony, the things that he is on trial for, to the very beliefs that his people hold dear. In other words, he is saying that the actions that I am accused of are absolutely connected to, in line with, the core beliefs of my nation. And I think this is important for us to understand too, is that the things that you believe as a Christian they're not wild and crazy and off the chart. They are founded in history. The the, the whole New Testament, over 24,000 existing manuscripts of the New Testament, more than any other ancient document by far. The closest ancient document testifying of an ancient writing is Homer's Iliad which has about 900 existing copies. So the New Testament by far out out, out distances them. So the the testimony of history is that Jesus Christ lived. That Jesus Christ was crucified. Even, Even the Jewish historian Josephus testifies in his writings of the fact that Christ rose from the dead. So our beliefs, your testimony, is tethered to history, just as Paul's was. And it's not unusual. God has said from the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that he would raise up his son from the dead in victory over the serpent. So it's ancient. It goes back as far as history records. So what you believe is reasonable. Your faith is not outrageous. What God is doing in your life absolutely, absolutely speaks to those around you and to the generation in which you live. I'm emphasizing this because so often I run into Christians who somehow are embarrassed by their testimony because it's based upon an old book and people are so modern and so intelligent now that if I really tell them what I believe about this ancient Jewish rabbi who died and rose from the dead, they're going to think I'm insane. But it's not true. It's not true. It's the best documented event in history. Ancient history for sure. And Paul is pointing that out. And he's saying to Agrippa, why do you think it's incredible that God raises the debt? He has said from the very beginning that he would do so. Likewise for us, as we give our testimony, you need to have confidence, assuredness in the veracity of this book and the reality of what has happened in your life. It's not something you're making up. It's something that is real, tangible. And Paul knew that. Now Paul says in verse 9, I too was convinced at one time that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. So here Paul is giving an accurate account of some very dark aspects of his former life. And our testimony needs to be accurate. We should not gloss over those parts of our life that perhaps were less socially acceptable. What Paul did, Paul did. He did it with integrity, but it was wrong. He was a blasphemer, he was a murderer. He acknowledges that in his testimony. Sometimes we have aspects of our testimony that are very dark, difficult to share. But oftentimes what I have found is the darker shades of my testimony have spoken to people who have been right where, or are right where I was. Now, I don't know all of your testimonies, but I suspect that in in a group of people this size, Some of you have some pretty difficult-to-share dark aspects of where you have come from. But what I want to encourage you in, not that you want to promote that. That's not the biggest thing about what happened in Paul's life, but Paul is sharing it. But that does help you to connect with other people who are right there. There are people out there, church, who are in dark places, who are struggling with difficult circumstances and situations. And when you share that I too was there at one time, I lived that life. I know what you're going through. But this is what God has done in my life to pull me out of that. This is the power that He gave to me in order to assist me to overcome that darkness, those chains, that bondage. People need to hear the accurate reflection of what God has drawn you out of. It's very important. But also, it's important that they hear what He has drawn you into. That's what Paul begins to speak about, verse 12. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. About at noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing all around me and my companions. And we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I asked, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. And I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So yes, Paul had this dark past, this time in his life where he was persecuting the church. He was forcing believers to blaspheme. He was assigning them to death. But that was not the end of Paul's story. Paul encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And some of us here have had our own Damascus Road experiences where that darkness suddenly becomes lighter than the noonday sun. And we begin to see things in a new and a different way. We understand that our lives have been impacted by this message of resurrection. We have a new hope that God is carrying us into and a new call to a ministry. And this is something that I want to absolutely drive home to you here today, is not only did God call Paul out of that darkness and say, Paul, I'm saving you, I'm forgiving you of your sin, I'm I'm calling you out of that darkness, but he says, I've got a ministry for you. I've got a job assignment just for you, Paul. And he does for us as well. Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles to proclaim the the wonderful message of salvation in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. What has God called you to? What is the light illuminating in your life? you're not coming out of darkness just so you can see you have been called out of darkness so that you can testify of what has happened in your life and you can help others to see as well so then king agrippa i was not disobedient to the vision from heaven First to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, then in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. So Paul entered into this new mission that God had given him. And he began to testify everywhere he went, first in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, then in Judea, and then throughout the Roman Empire to all of the Gentiles. He began to testify of what had happened in his life. And there was this ongoing revelation to Paul and encounter with Jesus Christ all along the way. Jesus spoke to Paul on the Damascus Road, but the conversation did not end there. There are numerous times throughout the book of Acts where Jesus comes alongside Paul and speaks to him, gives him direction, gives him comfort, Gives him assurance. And that same experience should be ours. The testimony that we give ought not to end at our conversion experience. If our testimonies are only about conversion, that's okay, but that's really not the whole story. There is so much more to what God wants to do in your life. And he wants to continue to add to your testimony. There was a lady here a couple of weeks ago who was a member of our church back in Fruta, And she began to attend along with her family. And after a period of time, she came to me. And she said, I need to speak to you, Greg. And we set aside a time. And she began to very, very slightly open a door into her soul and into her her life. She had been profoundly abused as a little girl, physically and sexually. Night after night after night. And she didn't know where to go with that. She didn't know what to do with that. And we began to talk, but then she closed down again. She was not able to deal with that. And so we committed it to prayer. That was about 14 years ago. On Sunday, two weeks ago, she was sharing some stuff with me that God had done in her life. And it was powerful. God had opened the door just a little crack 14 years ago but over the time that followed through a variety of circumstances that I won't uh, have time to give to you this morning, God began to speak into her life, began to provide healing to her heart. And what she could barely speak to me 14 years ago, she showed me last Sunday, she had put in a newsletter for her employer. She is now employed as uh, a parent advocate, working with parents who uh, have abused or neglected their kids, and she's working with them. And she gave this entire testimony of where she started, how God, step by step by step, healed her and empowered her and turned the light on in her life to where she was able to communicate to her entire uh, company what she had been through, what God had done in her life, and what he was now doing through her to heal others. So your testimony doesn't stop at salvation. Your testimony is ongoing. Some of you are absolutely identifying with what I am saying. You are saying, God is speaking to me. God is comforting me. God is communicating healing to my life. And as he does that in your life, you need to testify of that to those around you because there is someone else in your sphere of influence that needs to hear what God is doing in your life. It's an ongoing testimony. Paul was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. He began to speak wherever he was at. And as he spoke, God would continue to speak to him. And the the scope of ministry expanded until the whole Roman Empire had heard. Paul ultimately will give testimony to Caesar Nero. But here, Paul's going through What certainly could be uh, deemed a confusing situation. I've been giving testimony for you, Jesus. I've been obedient to what you've asked me to do. And I find myself a prisoner of Rome. I find myself two years in Caesarea in chains and in shackles. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. As Paul is giving his testimony here, the Roman governor Festus interrupts him and says, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning has driven you insane. There will be times of opposition. So you need to be willing as you give your testimony to risk because there will sometimes be people who oppose what you have to say. Now, remember I told you last week that your testimony is unassailable. They may not agree with what you have to say, but they cannot contradict it because it is your experience with God. But there will be opposition, as Paul experienced here. And Paul says, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying, remember what I told you, is true and reasonable. It's based in history. It's based in the religion of our people. It's absolutely logical that God who created the heavens and the earth, should be able to raise the dead to life. There's nothing insane about that at all, Festus. The king is familiar with these things. I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice. It has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And then Agrippa said to Paul, Paul, do you think that in such a brief time you can persuade me to become a Christian? And listen to Paul's response, and this will be the final point. Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. So the final how of giving your testimony is based in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. You have to speak the truth of what has happened in your life, all of the events that have transpired from your first initial encounter with Jesus, those need to be items on the table that you are communicating to others. But you need to do so in love, with a motivation for the soul and the well-being of that person that you are speaking to. Certainly, we we have a love for God. That's why we testify of what He has done. That's why we glorify Him through our testimony. But there also has to be a horizontal love that we possess that that spurs us on, that impels us to give testimony to God's work in our life. If we don't love those around us, John wrote to his readers, then we can't really love God. Chris, Pastor Chris was showing me a YouTube video of Penn Jillette, um, and I think he put this in his Pastor E News, and some of you might have seen this, but it was uh, a little online snippet that he was given. He's an avowed atheist, Penn Gillette, and he, Penn Gillette, of course, is part of the Penn and Teller Magician Act. And he's an avowed atheist. He, he speaks oftentimes in support of atheism and has debated many Christians throughout the years. But he, he had encountered a Christian after one of his shows, and this Christian uh, very forthrightly but very lovingly shared a Bible with him, shared uh, testimony with him, and wished him well. And Penn Gillette was speaking about this experience, how for him it was so different than many of the other experiences he had had with Christians trying to proselytize him. Because he could really sense the genuine nature of this man's love for him. And then he said something that, that just really bowled Chris and me over. Penn Jillette said, If you really believe that there is a heaven to be saved into, and a hell to be saved out of. How must must how much must you hate someone to not share that with them? Now that's sobering, but it's true. Unless we have a love for our fellow man, the, the men and the women the boys and the girls that surround us, unless we are impelled by love church to share our testimony, we're probably going to be just satisfied to let those people walk by us. To not declare the glory of God and what He has done in our lives. It's love that drives us. The Bible says it's the love of God that constrains us to do certain things. And to give testimony to the work of god in your life you must love your fellow man so glorifying through testimony you're going to be given opportunity god intends for each one of us to have an opportunity to share what he has done in our lives my prayer for us today is that we embrace that opportunity Now, here's the deal. You don't have to, because of your testimony, feel like you have to convert anybody. That's not your job. Your job is not to convert people, to convince people. Your job is simply to tell them, to testify. This is what God has done in my life. This is how I was saved out of darkness. This is what he has spoken to me since, and this is where I'm going. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who causes the growth. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be light in darkness, to be salt in the earth, Lord. I pray that you would help each one of us in the days and weeks and months ahead to develop an open witness and authenticate, Lord, to all those who will hear what you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.